listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome to the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, an avid follower of the Astros minor league system and prospects. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com or find me on Twitter at Astros Future. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at bham1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo H-O-U on Twitter as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, today on the inaugural episode of the Astros Future Podcast, we have a lot in store as we are just a few days away from the opening day 2021. We'll talk some prospects, some players to watch, expectations this year, some predictions for me and Brian, and much more. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. Um, First, we want to start off and do a little introduction, kind of talk about ourselves, let you know who you're listening to. I'll start first. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, name's Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future on Twitter. Been a big baseball fan since uh, the 1990s. I was born in 88. Been a big fan since the 90s. Um, been a big fan of minor league baseball, mainly because it always felt like there was always optimism. Uh, you know, there was always the, the opportunity for a prospect to have a breakout season and come from nowhere. So th- that was one reason I got into it. But fast forward to the, the you know, early 2010s, when the Astros had a really bad, uh, really bad team, the only thing we had to look forward to was the farm system. So in 2013, I uh, created my Twitter account, started keeping up with the uh, prospects that way, um, you know, posting the stat lines, things like that. Um, kind of blew up, got a lot of followers. I ended up creating a website in 2016, AstrosFuture.com, and ever since then, just been keeping up with the prospects, uh, talking to them, trying to you know learn as much as I can about them, and uh, basically just you know keeping up with the prospects that way and, and trying to share that passion with the, the followers on Twitter. What about you, Brian? Well, pretty much the same, Jimmy. Um, been a huge baseball fan my entire life, having played the sport for a while. You know, you used to live and breathe it. Now you just breathe it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, followed them all throughout the 90s uh, up to the current time. Um, having played, you know, Roger Clemens was always my favorite baseball player. So unfortunately I did follow the Yankees in the late nineties when he was with them, but don't hold that against me. I no longer follow them at all, but um, yeah, obviously all Houston sports, but mainly the Astros for me, because I am a huge baseball fan. I I mean, Jimmy, you and I've been friends for what, like 10 years or so now. Um, And we've always been discussing sports, mainly the Strohs, mainly the minor leagues and, you know, always looking for that next breakout star in the pipeline. Yeah, and it's great. You know, like I said, in 2013 is when I when I kind of started this. There wasn't anything to look forward to on right. the Astros, unfortunately, on, on the major league club. Um, other than, you know, Altuve, you know, basically coming up. Uh, besides that, there wasn't much there. You know, 2012, yep. we drafted Correa, drafted McCullers, and that's kind of where things got started. And I felt, you know, I, I found myself more caring about how are these prospects doing, not is the major league team winning. And it was part of the process. You know, we um, – weren't very good, got high picks and, you know, obviously built a, a championship contender and one that won a world series. Uh, but that was where I was at. I, I 
would rather go on MILB.com and check box scores and see how those guys are doing than, than, you know, watch some of the Astros. I mean, I did both, but it just, there was the, the intrigue of seeing what Carlos Correa was doing in the minors and um, John Singleton and George Springer at that time. That was, that was a, a lot of fun to me and what really got me into, you know, to, to the, the Astros future part of it. Oh, absolutely. And I remember those days, man. I mean, while they were dark at the major league level, they were so fun for prospect guys like us because, you know, like you said, Altuve by that point had graduated to the majors. We didn't have anything in the minors until 2012, which it's funny. You just mentioned how we took Correa and McCullers in the first round back then. Dude, that was almost 10 years ago now. I was just thinking about that the other day when McCullers re-upped with us, how he's almost been with Houston for 10 years. That's insane, man. It does not feel like it's been that long. But right. yeah, I mean, and, you know, once we started making the playoffs in 2015, we've only missed the playoffs one year since then. Um, and after we won that World Series, I remember you and I saying like, wow, what do we do now? I mean, now that we've won a title, are we, are we still supposed to just be like wanting another one? I mean, all I ever wanted was just one title. I didn't want to be a Yankee fan where I expected one every year, you know? Yep, but we, you, you know, you got the one. They were able to obviously maintain a, a extremely competitive team, thanks in large part due to a stock farm system that allowed them to make the trades and you know consistently bring up contributors. Um, so you know, not only was uh, getting into the minor leagues and stuff a, a you know a big deal at the time and, and, and you know important really for Astros fans, but you know the the ownership and the management that we had at the time also put a, a large. Um, uh, investment into the minors and into the prospects and into international signings, which which made following the minor league system uh, extremely enjoyable for those years when the Astros were struggling. But obviously, it all paid off in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And how you just mentioned ownership, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool to have an owner like Jim Crane, who um, you know, like we'll follow on Twitter. Just recently, whenever we re-signed Lance McCullers, about a day or so before they re-signed him, when the when the rumors were out there that we were talking to him. I remember reading a tweet. I want to say it was from Berman, from Mark Berman, um, that he said uh, Jim Jim Crane is getting involved in the negotiations now. I actually like that. You know, I mean, it's not like they're, you know, he wants to he wants to win. He's not a cheap owner, and that's something I'm sure we'll get into at some point and have a whole segment over. But I really love the fact that we have an owner who used to be a baseball player, knows the sport, and isn't just in it just to, you know, spin the wheels and make money. He wants to actually win. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a big deal. And I think we've seen that. I mean, the Astros are, I think they have like the fourth highest payroll or something like that. Um, right. You know, which business owner doesn't want to make money, but yeah, he's in it. He's in it to win. He's not here to, to just, you know, uh, turn it around and make some kind of investment and get money out of it. He wants to win. And I think it's, it's translated so far. We've been able to lock up guys like Altuve and Bregman and now uh, McCullers and hopefully Correa here in the near future. Yep. Absolutely, man. I agree. So we'll move on to uh, some of the excitement for the 2021 season. So just the, the first thought that comes into my head is, you know, these guys have, have when I mean these guys, the players have, have been playing in front of fans realistically their entire life, but their entire adult life. And you fast forward to 2020, COVID happens, season gets canceled uh, or postponed essentially, pushed back. They uh, play a shortened season and there's no fans. They play, you know, 60 games, go into the playoffs and there's no – there's no crowd noise. There's nothing like that. And I, I can only imagine the excitement that they're feeling knowing that they're about to start playing in front of fans again. Um, what's, what's your take on that? Oh, yeah. I'm sure that they're they're just as excited as we are to get back into the stadium. They, they want to have fans there. Um, 
it, it just felt so weird watching those games last year and you seen the cardboard cutouts and then the empty stadium. And I think with some games, they had some piped in noise, uh, not just the Astros, but just around baseball. So I'm sure everyone associated with, with baseball, whether you're a player, an owner, an executive, a fan, I think everyone is equally excited to get back into the stadiums. Yeah. And you know, like I, I sit here and I watch some of the highlights from, from 17 and 18 and 19 and, and especially like, you know, the, the world series run in 19 and some of the big homers from Correa, the walk-off stuff like that. And it makes you realize how important the fans are to the game and just the atmosphere and everything. Cause you know, the walk-off homer Correa had in the ALCS, you know, this uh, in 2020, it was awesome, but not having the fans there to, to react like they do at Minute Maid Park, just, really takes away from the um, from I guess the excitement the enjoyment that I think the players feel and that you know the fans feel even even sitting at home you know well yeah and see that's a good example that you just had with Correa's walk-off you know and that that walk-off has somewhat become iconic and it hasn't even been a year yet with him putting his hand next to his ear and everything but think about that one versus the Altuve one in 2019 that sent us to the World Series um, it's just like it probably would have had that same exact react. It definitely would have had that same exact reaction uh, in the ballpark had there been fans there. Yeah, for sure. So this is, you know, I, I think players will feel the same way I'm about to feel, uh, and mainly only because I just enjoy statistics so much. But the fact that they're playing a full season and can put up numbers for a full year, I feel like is going to be is, is going to be something that they're going to be really excited about. I mean, you look at a guy like Kyle Tucker last year who who had a breakout season, right? But he only got to do it and not, you know, maybe, I mean, less than half the season. You know, if he if he gets to project those numbers out over a full year, especially the way that he was hitting, you know, he could end up having a huge year. So you look at guys like that, and, and I think we talked about it a little bit earlier, but we mentioned it now, is uh, the slumps, right? When you play 60 games, you go into a slump for two weeks, you're essentially a quarter of your season is already gone. You know, that if that happens mm-hmm. in, a, in a regular year, it doesn't really hurt you, but that happens in – you know, in, in, a, in a shortened season like that, and it, it has a big impact on your numbers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you kind of stole my thunder there because that's what I was going to say was talking about guys that tend to be hot or cold or go on these streaks. I mean, it's great if you're, if you're on a, a two-week streak where all you're doing is just mashing, but whenever you fall into one of those cold slumps, um, even, even defensively, you know, that's going to translate. It's going to carry over. But now with the full season, they're going to get back into the swing of things, back to their normal routine. It should be fun all the way around. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think they're, you know, like I said, it'll, it, I, they're made a lot of guys, not necessarily just the Astros, but just across them, it'll be probably, you know, uh, felt some extra pe- uh, pressure next year, knowing that they were playing in a shortened season. And that if you do go through any kind of slump, even if it's a week or two weeks, you know, you're really hurting your team's chances at postseason play and you're really hurting your 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 stats for the year. Um and I know maybe a lot of those guys may not look at them, but we all know how important the numbers are and how much, you know, that affects them getting a big contract down the line. So I'm really excited to see what, you know, what, what some of our guys, especially like Kyle Tucker can do when he gets the opportunity for 162 games. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think Kyle Tucker is going to be a huge, huge part of this team this year. Um, we need his bat. And I think that we're, we are going to get the bat. I don't think we're going to have to worry about whether or not he's going to miss and fall off or if he's just going to be um, just another one of those masters that's come up over the last five years. Uh, yep. Kyle Tucker is going to be key, I think. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll save it for a segment down the line, but I, yep. I do I do got some uh, some predictions with Kyle Tucker. So, Perfect. Um, Let's do but, it. 
as we talk about, you know, the, uh, the, the 20, 20, uh, 2021 season and, and the importance of it, I think a lot of it is going to be shined on, on the minor league players and the, the prospects. And, um, you know, a guy like Jeremy Pena, who had a, a really good 2019 season, started cracking some top 100 prospect list, was probably going to start at double A, uh, you know, and really had a chance to, to go from, you know, a back end 100 guy to maybe a, a top half prospect in the league. COVID happened, no games in 2020. Um, you know, hopefully there was still that development, but not being able to, to put it out there in real games and have the numbers and have the video um, is really kind of a, a bummer for a lot of those guys that were close to taking that next step forward. So I, I really, I'm really excited to see how some of these guys are going to perform in 2021 because it's been so long since we've seen them, you know, in the Astros minor league system and in an actual real game. Yeah, the minor league guys are the ones who really paid the price for COVID last year. They didn't get a season. Um, the major league guys got a shortened season with an extended playoff. But, um, you know, the minor leagues, the minor leaguers, unless they were playing on their own or, or, or doing some other type of ball, they were not able to play at all last year. So I'm sure they're itching just to get back in, man. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about we'll talk about here in a little bit about the top 30 prospects and ranking prospects. But it's it was hard to, to sit there and do that this year without having. Uh, videos to, to look at without having numbers for a 2020 season. And, you know, you're just, you're kind of going off what you've read, or at least for me, what I've read, what I've heard, what happened throughout the summer while they were still practicing and things like that. Uh, and then how things have been this spring. So I'm really looking forward to see what, you know, what guys like, I, I keep mentioning Jeremy Pena and only because he, he seems like for right now, the next big thing, um, you know, in the Astros system. And I'm really interested to see how he does in 2021 as he's now starting to get into the upper, you know, upper uh, levels in the minor league system. Oh, yeah, man. Fully agree. Fully agree. All right. So coming up, we will look at some of the top prospects in the system and highlight some of the potential breakout prospects. And we'll get to that in just a moment. All right. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop a review or leave us some stars. So, Jimmy, right before the break, we were talking about some of our prospects, namely Jeremy Pena. So I know it's no surprise that he's number one on your list of the top 30 prospects in the Astros system on your website, astrosfuture.com. So tell us a little bit about Jeremy Pena, what you're expecting of him, and a couple of other prospects that you have highlighted for this year. Yeah, so he's my number one. Um, I think a lot of people still had Whitley number one. Uh, I've I always kind of I like to give the the extra credit to the hitters, anyways. But Jeremy Pena, a fantastic prospect, an elite defender who had a breakout 2019 season where he really put up some some dominant numbers. Um, you know, he he ended up uh, having posting a career high 440 slugging, had a, a lot of uh, you know doubles, homers, stole 20 bases, um, drew walks, and he really did it all in 2019. And like I said a little bit earlier, he was starting to get onto the back end of uh, top 100 prospects. Uh, but unfortunately, the layoff in 2020 kind of kind of stumped his rise a little bit. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do. Uh, but an elite defender at shortstop with some pop in his bat, with some control of the strike zone, the ability to steal some bases. He really he's really doing it all. And a guy that I think is, is going to really move up the prospect list this year. So we also mentioned it Forrest Whitley. Uh, guys, you know, been in, it feels like he's been in the system forever and has been a top prospect forever uh, since his breakout season. I think, you know, uh, his second year in the minors. Um, he's still a ton of talent, still very projectable with his size, but the injuries are just, they're just really starting to mount up and they're, and they're concerning, you know. Uh, we've seen plenty of guys come back from Tommy John and, and they then, you know, have more success after. But at this point, he's, he struggled being consistent. He struggled with injuries. 
Hopefully the Tommy John surgery will get fixed and he can come back ready to roll. And I'm not giving up on him, but man, it's just, he's had a lot to battle with. And, you know, since he's became a top prospect and I I really hope he can get it figured out because, you know, we, at this point, you know, we, we need some more pitchers to go ahead and start, you know, start making their impact. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I agree with you on Jeremy Pena. You know, the one thing about Jeremy Pena that you got to, you know, it, it creeps into your mind, but what if, if, his presence in our system and him being just on the precipice of the majors within a year or two, does that affect, um, you know, signing, re-signing Carlos Correa? You know, as of this recording, he has not been re-signed. He gave that, that hard deadline of April 1st, which is this coming Thursday, after which he will hit uh, free agency, according to him. But you got to wonder about that. But as far as Forrest Whitley goes, yeah, I completely agree with you. You know, you and I were talking um, a few weeks back whenever the Tommy John um, was, you know, diagnosed in him, like he was going to need Tommy John surgery. And we were just both like, man, now it's starting to get frustrating because he should have already been in the majors by now. But you're right. I mean, I think it's just um, I think it's just, you know, this big mix of him being a little bit injury prone, but also just unlucky, you know, it's not like he's having these crazy injuries. These are just some some very odd ones. Right, and then you know he had the suspension for for taking the uh, the Adderall when I think he it was maybe in the off season when he was driving home from a game or something like that. And not to right. say that you know I mean obviously that shouldn't happen. He should know what what he's putting in his body and what's allowed and not allowed by uh, by the MLB. But you know yeah the the suspension, the injuries, and then some of the unlucky stuff where he comes into camp and next thing you know he's got shoulder fatigue, he's out for weeks, going you know and then the season starts, he's going down to Florida, taking some time to rehab. So yeah it it really felt like this year was the year like, man, he's got to, it's, it's time for him to, you know, put up. Right. But unfortunately right. he's going to miss this year, miss probably a good portion of next year. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to give up on him. We, we've seen the talent. And I mean, the, the stuff he was doing as at a night, as a 19 year old in, in the minors was incredible. And um, so I'm not going to give up on him yet, but that does lead us into our next top prospect who I'm extremely excited about. And that's Pedro Leon. Um, you know, it's oh, been yeah. a while since the Astros have had, a big, you know, guy like him in the, in the system that you can really look to, you know, as one of the top prospects. And uh, just like we talk about, you know, not having any numbers to look at in 2020 for Jeremy Pena, I'm kind of interested in the same boat with him is, um, you know, they, we were rumored to, uh, rumored to sign him well before COVID and then things just dragged out and they eventually signed him, you know, this January for $4 million, but 22 years old and, you know, has this incredible physical skill set. I mean, a five tool outfielder that can run, yep. hit for power. And then the only numbers we have on him were some years back in 2018 and 19 in Cuba, where he slashed 383 with a 789 slug and in 15 homers in just 33 games. Like the, the, the stuff that he's shown on the field in Cuba and then everything that we read about is just really making it look like he is the next big thing. And that's huge right. with the Astros already having a depleted system and then, you know, not having the, the, the first and second round picks that we've had, you know, due to the, the, uh, the cheating thing. So, yeah. And I mean, with, with Pedro Leon, man, I mean, the second that we found out that we were signing him, I remember you texted me, you're like, well, it's almost like we just got our first round pick back because he would have been a high pick in the draft had that, had even draftable, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, just the fact that we've got a five-tool player, potential five-tool player in the minors, as you said, it's just uh, he'll be able to slide into center field within a year, year and a half. I don't think he's going to make it to the majors this year, but probably early next season um, he'll slide right in there. So basically, you know, with Springer leaving, that position is open for the year, but it looks like it's Pedro Leones for the, for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, and the, it's interesting the Astros are, you know, playing him at shortstop some. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's just a, a versatility thing or just to see what he can do uh, to try to get him up to the major sooner if he can really help out at different positions. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see what where they actually play him when the minor league games come around. Yeah, but uh, he so he he was my number three prospect. So we'll jump down a little bit. We'll talk about a guy I know you're real, 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 uh, real big on. And that's Tyler Ivy. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? So I, I really like Tyler Ivy. I think that, you know, last season really was a, um, you know, obviously the lost season and everything for everybody. But I think he would have made it to the majors um, had he had some more time in the minors to actually to, to play a little bit more, you know what I mean? And actually contribute some once we get him, I mean, he's a local guy. He went to A&M. Um, he's a guy that not, okay. So follow me on this comparison here. Cause I'm not saying his stuff is like him cause he's not, but he kind of reminds me of like a Colin McHugh type. He could be like your number three, four starter, but he also has that stuff that projects as like a long reliever or even back into the bullpen type of guy. Yeah. He's got, he's got good stuff, you know, and he's got, kind of that unorthodox delivery that they talked about but if it's unorthodox but you can repeat it then it's not really an issue if right. it hasn't caused injuries and it's repeatable for you then it'll be okay you know and he, he dealt with a little bit of injuries in 2019 but when he was on the field I mean he was he was dominant he had a 1.38 ERA um, uh-huh. in 52 innings struck out 68 guys and like you said he probably would have been able to contribute last year if not for COVID um, if he would have been able to make it up to AAA and continue his success. So, yeah, he's 25 this year. He's had some success so far this spring, uh, allowed just one run over five innings. So I, I'm really excited, like I am with all the prospects, really, but I'm really excited to see what he can do, um, probably starting out in, in uh, maybe AAA this year. And, and, yeah, he could be one of the guys that's, uh, you know, one of the first pitchers up if yep. we end up needing to call somebody if, uh, if there's any injuries or anything like that. That's what I was just about to say is assuming that, you know, that he, he plays well at the beginning of his minor league season, he's probably going to be your first guy up whenever we need another start, another starter, or if, if somebody at the major league level uh, gets injured or, or, you know, isn't, isn't playing very well that you could see that be uh, Tyler Ivy's opportunity to just jump on up. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head whenever you're talking about his stuff, he, he's going to be a guy that a lot of Astros fans like he's that dependable starter. Yeah, for sure. So that kind of brings me to to the next point is as we hit a couple of the, the top prospects, but take a look at some of the potential breakout prospects. And every right. year there, there's somebody who goes from, you know, outside of the top 30, uh, top 30 and, and puts himself in contention. Or he goes from, uh, you know, maybe in the top 30 and then really gets himself up there in the numbers. So one guy that I, I'm, I'm interested to see how he does this year is Nathan Perry. Uh, fifth round pick in 2017, a catcher, left-handed hitter. Uh, in 2019, he played at Tri-City, which uh, for those that don't know, that's a, 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 uh, it's a New York Pin League. It's a, a league that's typically reserved for college draftees, so guys who are 21, 22 years old. He was playing there at 19 years old, and he ended up having a, a 8.16 OPS with 12 homers in 66 games, but also a 13% walk rate. So, I mean, really good offensive numbers for a 19-year-old who was playing – uh, you know, with guys that are two years older than him. So he uh, he's only 21 years old this year. It'll be interesting to see where they start him out, if they start him out in just uh, just A ball or high A or how, how they decide to do it. But a left-handed hitter at catcher with power, uh, yep. you know, and the ability to stay at catcher at this point, he's a guy that I think could could potentially be a breakout guy. Oh, no, I agree with you. that He has that raw power. He's got strength. Um, and, you know, like you just said, left-handed with power. Man, I mean, like the first thing that comes to mind when you think of a power hitting left handed catcher, at least for me, is Brian McCann, who was here when we won the World Series. Now, I'm not comparing him to Brian McCann, 
but just that swing, it's very, it, it's somewhat similar to him, but just having that pull uh, that he has with his left-handed swing is nice to, to think about. I mean, he's a few years away at, at least, but, but yeah, I mean, good plate discipline as a 19 year old and he showed some stuff. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, that's, you know, we've been fortunate as Astros fans that we've had guys uh, come out of nowhere and, and have breakout prospects. And we've seen that over and over. I mean, you look at probably Christian Javier just a couple of years ago and oh, yeah. there's always been somebody. So hopefully this year it'll be, it'll be Perry and, you know, we can have a, we can look back and say, Hey, we at least nailed that one. Right. But one other guy, at least for me that I, I'm interested to see how he does this year is uh, Blair Henley. The Astros drafted him. He was a, a reliever in college. Didn't have a ton of success. I'm sorry. He's a starter in college. He didn't have a ton of success. The Astros tried him as a reliever. And then he ended up putting up insane numbers. He, in uh, his right after the 2019 draft, he pitched in 36 innings and struck out 50 with a 1.47 ERA, which uh, phenomenal numbers, you know, for a guy who did struggle a little bit as a, as a starter in college. So um, he's a guy who's already 24 years old, going to be a little bit more advanced because of his time in college that maybe he can, he can really move through the system fast and potentially provide uh, some bullpen relief for the Astros. Maybe not this year, but maybe maybe next year, you know, as he continues his rise to the system. Yeah, it would be great if we are able to use guys such as Blair Henley and maybe some others that, you know, they just can come up through the system as relievers or even as starters, but then, you, you know, long-term you look at, to them as a reliever in the, in the big league bullpen. Um, you don't really want to be paying for saves too much. And I know that's a whole other conversation for another day that you and I have had. But if you can restock your bullpen with your own guys in your minor league system, you're just setting yourselves up for it for, you know, very positively. For sure. And he's a guy that um, I think Astros fans will be uh, somewhat familiar with this stuff only because he's an elite spin rate guy on his curveball, mm -hmm. you know, that mixes with a low 90s fastball. And, you know, if someone thinks low 90s and a curveball, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound great. But we've seen over and over the Astros have <laughs> success with guys who have elite spin rate on their curveball and a low 90s fastball. So it doesn't right. matter if he's in, you know, a starter and short relief, long relief. He's got the stuff that can hopefully play up. Um, and, you know, yep. he'll be a guy who can uh, hopefully, like I said, potentially be a breakout prospect this year. Yep. The deception on that spin rate, man, it's lethal. <laughs> so, you know, as we were talking about the, the top prospects, uh, one guy who I kind of think is, is really forgotten about only because of the lost season and the way things went was Corey Lee. You know, the Astros drafted him in the first round in 2019, 20 years old. He goes up, he plays in the New York Penn League, and he has a 122 weighted runs created plus, which for those that don't know, 100 is average. So 122 is 22% above average really good season for a guy who just got drafted out of, uh, out of college. Um, and he's a catcher. So you look at a guy, a catcher who can draw walks, has some power and already has already had success in, in uh, the minors. You know, I, I kind of feel like when people start looking and, and thinking about the top prospects, you know, Jeremy Pena, Forrest Whitley and things like that, Pedro Leon, Corey Lee is a guy who is kind of forgotten about mainly because he didn't play last year. And the only look you had at him was following the draft in 19, but he's someone who I still uh, who I still think is, is going to be a really good player. And he's another guy, not necessarily a breakout because he's a first round pick, but another guy that could see his stock rise quite a bit if he has success, you know, with since he didn't have a, a 2020 season. No, I completely agree with you, man. Corey Lee, I remember the night he was drafted. Um, you know, a lot of people said it was an overdraft and we may have reached because we wanted a catcher. Whatever the case may be, he's an exciting player to have in the system. You know, coming from a, a team and an organization that historically, from the catcher position, there hasn't really been a, a player that's provided a ton of offensive produ production uh, consistently throughout the years. 
um, this is a guy that we could we could be really really happy with down the line if he ends up you know making it all the way to the big leagues and becoming our everyday catcher he has absolutely been overshadowed by you know Forrest Whitley the signing of Leon and and you know even recently with Jeremy Pena and his and his rise but Corey Lee is a guy that I think had we had a, um, a minor league system, or I'm sorry, a minor league season last year, you would have heard a lot of fans talking about it, especially on Twitter. Because if there's anything that our fans do that you've seen over this past decade, it's that we follow our high draft picks and even the ones that start playing well that may have been drafted in like the 30th round. And we follow them and make sure that like we're keeping up with them to see whenever they're going to get up to the uh, to the next level. And that's a guy that I think a lot of fans would have zeroed in on and really followed. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if it has something to do with who I follow on Twitter or what, but it seems like the Astros fans are really in tune with who our prospects are mm-hmm. and who's doing well and who they need to watch. Uh, it not It's not very often that, you know, I go on and I tweet something about a prospect and I get a question of who the heck is that guy? Everyone knows who everyone is, and it's, it's it actually makes it even more fun to follow a system when the fans yep. know who you're talking about and you don't have to sit there and, and you know, give a breakdown of the guys. You, you, you give a stat line and they know who Corey Lee is and they know when he was drafted. So, um, you know, to me, honestly, that's probably due in large fact to the to the point that we you know, we, we weren't very good for a while. We were constantly having all of those high draft picks. And like you were saying earlier in the intro, we all tended to gravitate more towards the minor league system rather than the pros, because we were looking to see what, where these guys were, how they were doing. I remember looking at box scores almost every night to see what George Springer did. You remember those two, those games where he hit the four bombs in a couple of games each, you know? Oh yeah. So I think a lot of fans have just stayed with that. Now that the major league team has been consistently good for six or seven years now, we've just stuck with it and continued to follow the minor leagues as well. Yep. And it, and you know, and yeah, another thing that I think our fans are really good is we definitely pump up our own when it comes to our prospects, you know, and, um, and there's a ton of support for them, which is, which is really nice to see, you know, just like, just like the stuff that Jeremy Pena is doing right now uh, for a guy who had a, a really good 2019 didn't get to play in 2020 because uh, of COVID. And now 2021, he's getting some time in spring to see the support that he already has like on social media and stuff from Astros fans is awesome. Yep. Absolutely, man. So one other guy I'd like to highlight that I, I'm interested to, to watch and very intrigued to see how they, they handle him this year is Peter Solomon. So he was drafted out of uh, Notre Dame, didn't do a whole lot in college. The Astros bring him in. And then in 2018, he finishes the season with a 2.32 ERA and 114 strikeouts in 100 innings. A guy that you're looking at and saying, man, this is the next big pitching prospect for the Astros. So he starts 2019 out in high A, pitches one or two games, boom, Tommy John surgery. Missed yep. all of 2019, missed the 2020 season due to that, but also didn't matter because of COVID. Well, he's back this year. He's already struck out nine in 6.1 innings in spring. So he's a guy who I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how they handle him and how he returns um, from his Tommy John uh, surgery and the rehab and all that because he's another guy who has had a lot of success so far in the minors. And if he can continue to, to uh, repeat that success as he moves up the ladder, he'll, he won't be a guy who will be a, you know, pushing the top 30, he could end up pushing, you know, the, the Astros top 10 or top five, you know? Yeah. I was just about to say, you know, I, I expect him to probably start the season at double a, I don't think he's going to stay there very long before they move him up to triple a um, just because of that season that you said he had a few, uh, a few years back. Now, obviously the Tommy John and then the lost season last year. So I may be a little, you know, too antsy to get him up, but, but still, I think, 
I think that he's a guy that he's not very far off, just as you said. I mean, as long as his command remains solid as he works back from Tommy John surgery, that's a guy that you are absolutely looking at in the in the uh, uh, in our in uh, with the major league team. Yeah, every year I'm intrigued by the uh, when the Astros release their minor league rosters to see where mm-hmm. guys are starting, who they're going to be aggressive with, but more so this year than any other year because you don't know what they're going to do and you don't know if what the guy did in 2020 from the practice and how he's looked this spring is enough for them to, you know, forego a level that maybe they would have been playing at last year. Like, like Jeremy Pena, you know, he's, he finished the year in high A in 2019, 2020, he would have been in double A 2021, maybe in triple A, but do they go ahead and start him out at double A or do, how they move him? So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see when they release those rosters. Uh, we probably won't have a good idea about that until, you know, probably the end of April since minor leagues don't start till May. Um, but that'll be that'll be really intriguing to see. Well, it's interesting that you say that about, you know, like where they could have started and where uh, Jeremy Pena would have been this year had last year just been a normal year. You know, I think across the majors, you're going to see a lot of that with got with uh, teams treating their top prospects. They're going to put them where they think that they, they need to be. But then you could see a lot of graduations very quickly across the majors, even with the Astros, if these guys are, are, are playing well at wherever they're placed. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I you know, I think the. Uh, there will be a lot of aggressiveness with these guys, if they, especially if they start them at a point where they probably would have started last year and they dominate the league they're in. I don't think they'll be waste a lot of time trying to move them up the ladder. So um, yep. in our next segment, we're going to look at uh, a couple things, some, some expectations, some predictions, some weak and strong points on the team, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And welcome back here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. This segment, we're going to take a look at some uh, record or some expectations, uh, some predictions, some, uh, the weak and the strong points of, of the squad in 2021. So we'll go ahead and get right into it. Brian, tell me what you think the Astros record is going to be in 2021. I think what we're looking at when all, all things are said and done is um, I've got us down at 92 and 70. I still think we're going to win the division. Um, that's where that's where I am with record as of now. Yeah, and I'll so, stick with it, obviously. I'm not going to change it in May. Sure, but, sure. You know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going with 94 and 68. It, it, I still think this team is extremely talented. Um, we'll yeah. get to that in a little bit about what is the, the weak and, and the strong points of the team. But, you know, th- this team is still really good. Um, I know they, they struggled some in the regular season in 2020, but I, I just I, I'm not relying on that. I'm relying on what we've seen before and what we saw in the playoffs, which brings me to the next point. Anything less than the ALCS this year is going to be a huge disappointment to me, regardless of what happened, regardless of losing Springer, regardless of the Justin Verlanders, all the stuff that's going on. Anything less than the ALCS is going to be a disappointment. And even saying that, I kind of feel like it's almost like a loser mentality saying that. I kind of feel like anything less than a World Series is a disappointment. Um, But if they don't reach the ALCS this year with the lineup we have and and everything, that would be a big disappointment to me. What do you you think? Okay, so – Follow me on this, and I hope I don't rant for too long, but I'm glad you said that because I'm, I'm, you know, you keep reading about this stuff like, oh, the Astros, they've lost a step or two. They've lost this player and that player. Well, yeah, you can't sign everybody, and it's not every day that a team has like 12 all-stars that are legitimate all-stars at all over the field you know yeah we lost Garrett Cole we lost George Springer we're going to continue to lose players but that's because we stocked our system so perfectly uh, over the last decade uh, with high draft picks with good international signings good free agent signings um, you know draft picks that were already there pre-Luno you know just there's a lot of stuff that goes into that and I really think that the you know I guess 
not to like dump on the media here and make this a whole thing, but I guess one thing that the national media isn't used to seeing is a team led not being able to afford everybody. They look at the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, they always re-sign everybody and then go out and sign even additional free agents. The Astros can't do that, all right? They, that's never been their MO. It's not going to be the MO. But that doesn't mean that we're any less uh, good than we were last year. We're still going to win the division pretty easily, um, almost by default, just because the rest of the division is not very good at all. We may have one or maybe one other team with a winning record, possibly two. Um, every year they pump up the Angels, and every year they're just mediocre. Um, I just don't see how they continue to say that the Astros have lost a step or two. They're not going to be there at the end. We're going to win the division division easily. I completely agree with you. Anything less than an ALCS appearance is, is going to be a disappointment unless half the team, you know, gets injured. Mm-hmm. And that's just not necessary. That's just not realistic. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And I'm with you. And I think we, we talked about this probably, you know, six years ago, talking about the fact that the Astros have to continue to build a strong farm system because we won't be able to sign everybody. And, and that's kind of where we're at, you know, is, yeah, we lost Springer. But we have, you know, Jordan Alvarez, who is coming back for the injury. And then we got Kyle Tucker, who's ready to come into his own, uh, uh, into his own. You know, we lost Garrett Cole, but then we saw last year we had Christian Javier stepping up and Framber Valdez stepping up. Um, we have other young guys, Luis Garcia, Tyler Ivey, who we talked about, that are ready to, to you know, make an impact. So, you know, the, the depth of the system and, and being able to funnel those prospects through and then, re, you know, pick and choose who you want to resign because, unfortunately, like you said, guys are going to get away. You can't pay everybody. We're not going to end up with a you know three or four hundred million dollar payroll. Um, but I think the Astros are doing a good job in, in you know resigning the key guys, the Altuve, the Bregman, the McCullers, the young you know young pitcher. Um, hopefully, hopefully Correa too, and then supplementing those guys with top prospects such as Alvarez and Tucker. Um, and then the and then you throw in the the veteran signings too, right? Like the 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 move to initially bring Brantley here and then keep Brantley. Those are under the radar signings. Yeah, they're not gonna you know go out and say the Astros won free agency because they brought back Michael Brantley for two years. That's a big deal. He's been a a really good player for us the last two years. Um, and that kind of brings me to the next point when we talk about the strong points of this team. To me, this lineup is still really really good. You know, you look at the top seven. Uh, however, he decides to to line them up, but of Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, uh, Alvarez, Tucker, Correa, and even Gurriel, as long as he continues to you know have a, you know, hopefully he's not. I mean, he's getting up there in age, but even the top six. I mean, the top six. You, you I think you'd have a hard time maybe finding a, a better six, or at least you, you might find a couple that could compete with the Astros. But that top six is, is lethal, you know. And oh, yeah. and then you add you know Maldonado and then Straw. And we'll, we'll get down and we'll talk about some predictions. And I got something for Straw a little later on. But um, I still think this lineup is really, really freaking good. And I think a lot of people are overlooking just how big of an impact Jordan Alvarez was as a rookie and how much he's going to impact the Astros lineup this year. I mean, the dude had 27 homers in like 87 games, a 174 OPS plus, which is higher than anyone on the Astros has had over the last few years. I mean, he was really, really freaking good. And getting him back is, is going to be a big deal for this team. Oh yeah, the, the lineup is absolutely the strong point of the team. There, there's really no way around that. There's I don't even think there's any debating that. Uh, we go six deep, as you said, possibly seven. Um, yeah, I mean, you said it all. The, the, our lineup is absolutely lethal. Yep, and then you know we, we you want to look at maybe something that people would refer to as maybe the weak point of the team, and some people may look at the pitching, you know, because you don't have Verlander around because of the injury. Um, but Grinky, if, if he still continues pitching like he has, 
Uh, he's still going to be a really good pitcher. You got McCullers, who has looked great so far this spring, coming back from Tommy John. So he's finally got the UCL repaired and, and taken care of. So hopefully he can stay healthy and pitch a full season because he's been great when on the field. He just has struggled to stay on the field. But if he stays on the field for 200 plus innings, you know, you could be looking at a guy who may be making a push for, for Cy Young. And then you add that in with uh, Odorizzi, who I think can have a really good year here. You know, he was really good in 2019. Um, and then, you know, maybe we get Valdez back halfway through the season. That would be ideal. And then you got Christian Javier, who was great. So the pitching depth is maybe not what you would want to see out of a team that you expect to, you know, contend for the World Series. But I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that it's a huge negative either, because I, I don't think that's the case. And I do think there is um, some guys who can come up and help from the system if we do suffer injury. But it's just it's going to be more, you know, not what we've been used to seeing in the last, you know, probably three or four years when we were pushing for the World Series. You're going to be relying on younger guys more. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like like you said, we went into that world, the last World Series that we were in um, with Verlander, Garrett Cole, uh, Zach Granke. Um, I mean, just those three alone. I mean, not even mentioning Lance McCullers because, you know, he was injured. <laughs> I mean, it's just we've been spoiled by having such great players on both sides of the ball on, uh, you know, with with the lineup, with pitching. Um, but, yeah, it's like we said earlier, you're, you're going to lose players, but you just have to supplement them. And I think we've done a really good job of that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the bullpen, it's going to be interesting to see how that how that shakes out. But yeah. at the same time, the Astros have done a good job of uh, of molding guys that can be, you know, dominant pitchers in the bullpen. And Brian Abreu is one who may have a, a breakout season. Or Enoli Paredes, you look at what he did last year and the the um, the attitude, the uh, electricity that he pitched with. You know, the the high nineties from a guy that's five eleven. Uh, you know, it's going to be it, it'd be real fun to see how he does and how Abreu as young guys contribute this year to a full season uh, with Presley on the end of it. Um, but you know, like I said, the lineup is, is definitely the key to the team. And then the pitch in depth is going to be on the lower end. But uh, like we said, just a little bit before anything less than the ALCS this year is going to be a disappointment for me. I still have extremely high expectations for this team. And, and I continue, I will continue to have all those high expectations as long as we have a competent front office and we continue to re-sign our guys and draft well, uh, and, and do well in international signings. There's no reason we should think anything less, um, so before, now that we're, we've kind of hit on the team, let's talk about some predictions. And I want to give you the opportunity to tell me who you think your MVP is for the Astros, your Cy Young is for the Astros, and who will be the – I don't want to call him a, necessarily a breakout, but maybe the, the, the guy who you don't expect to be a big-time player and then he, he's, you know, he ends up having a really good season, uh, almost like Kyle Secker last year. You know, I mean, he, he was a guy that we expected to do well, but he ended up being a, a really big player. So tell me what you got. Okay, so let's start with the breakout player, all right? And I'll just go up from there. The one guy that you and I have kind of – we've texted around about, uh, about him uh, over the offseason. We thought maybe they'd bring somebody in to – make it to where this guy's not in the starting lineup. But I really think the more I read about how Miles Straw has been playing, I think we could be looking at him as a good breakout player this year. Maybe not like an all-star. I'm not saying all-star or anything like that. But when that guy gets on base, it's almost a guarantee he's going to be on second base at some point. You know what I mean? So he's you, got you, so you stole much my speed. shine already. You stole my yeah. shine already. That, that's exactly who it – so let me, let me, let me you know, ch uh, chime in on him real quick. I think a lot of people are down on him because of how he performed last year. And he, he wasn't very good, but he had 86 plate appearances. That's less than you would get in a single month 
as a full-time player. And he had that for his entire season, stretched out over 60 games. He didn't get consistent playing time. I just – I think there's a lot of overreaction to how he how he played last year when really you go look at the year before that, and in 56 games he had a 721 OPS um, and ended up, you know, compiling a, a 1.0 war, right? So over, so over a full season he might have been like a three-war player. So, yeah, I'm not saying here sitting here saying he's going to be an all-star – but he posted good on-base numbers in the minors. He posted good, st- oh, really good stolen base numbers in the minors. I don't see why he can't continue to do that at, at the nine hole. You're not expecting a guy to come in and hit 320 or something like that. But if he can get on base anywhere around a, a 330 to 350 mark, you know he's a guy who on the end of the lineup with that speed, getting on in front of the you know the Astros' best hitters, he's going to be key to, to the Astros. But I think he's he is a guy who. We'll have a you know in quotes a breakout season, but I will go ahead and and uh, say one of my predictions this year is that Miles Straw will lead the AL in stolen bases. So I'm counting on him to have a big season. Um, like I said, I think a lot of people are down on him just because of how he performed last year in, in a shortened season and with you know uh, hit or miss playing time. I'm really really intrigued to see how he performs this year when he is the center fielder and he's the guy that's getting the, the consistent reps. Well, if you've got him leading the AL with stolen bases, that means he's getting a lot of playing time. And that, and if he's getting a lot of playing time and he's playing really well, so let's just hope that's right, man. Yeah, for sure. For so my- go ahead. I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go on Cy Young first and then I'll, I'll hit MB, the, the, the team MVP first. Okay. So with Cy Young, I didn't want to, it's not that I don't think that these guys will play well, but I kind of wanted to think outside the box. I didn't just want to immediately go to Zach Greinke or even mm-hmm. Lance McCullers, but I really think that we could possibly see, and I'm going to say that we will, uh, Jose or Kitty uh, be the Cy Young for the Astros this year, the, the best pitcher on the team. That's a guy that, man, if you remember the World Series year, how mm-hmm. much, oh, I don't, how do I put this? Just he just play, played so well in the games that we really needed someone to step up. And I, I can't wait to see him over a full year. Yep. So one of my predictions as well is that Orkitty will win 15 plus games this year. Like you yep. said, he's, he's, he's made, uh, he's pitched in 14 games in his career and he's got a 3.4 ERA, but he's been even better in the playoffs. So in, in 2019 and 20, both in the regular season and the playoffs, he has pitched really well. So, uh, um, I'm going with McCullers as my Cy Young pick, which I know is going to be a, a fan favorite, but I just think I think he's due for that final breakout year. And he's pitched like a Cy Young caliber pitcher before, um, you know, when he made the all-star team and everything. He just has yet to do it over a full season. I'm banking on the fact that he finally had the Tommy John surgery, that his elbow is healthy, that he can go out there and he can, he can pitch, you know, 180-plus innings. And if he does that, at the level that we know he can hey, he can pitch at, then yeah, I think you're looking at a guy who could be the Cy Young of the Astros or you know the best pitcher on the Astros. But I do like the Urquidy pick, and, and one of my predictions that is that he will win 15 plus games this year. All right, man. Well, that that would be great. <laughs> so go to MVP. I think the popular pick is going to be Correa, and I think that's because of how he performed last year in the playoffs. I mean, the guy was phenomenal in the playoffs last year, um, you know, and he's he's already started out with a good spring, and then he's going to be playing for a contract unless we go ahead and re-sign him in the next, you know, three or four days. So that'll be the popular pick, but I'm going with Kyle Tucker, and I'm really buying into what he did last year. You know, once again, he uh, he, he played in 58 games, but he had 42 RBIs. He had a 123 OPS plus, but was also a, a good defender and a gold glove finalist down the outfield. So, you know, you look at him as a young player, 
finally getting the opportunity for consistent playing time, put up good numbers, you know, didn't strike out a ton, still drew some walks. But then you go down to his postseason, you know, and he had, he was he was effective in the postseason and was really a guy who, with runners in scoring position in the postseason, put up really good numbers. So I'm going to go ahead and say he's going to be the Astros MVP this year. Um, and then in a second, I'll kind of get into my next prediction, but I want to hear who you got it for the MVP. So for my MVP, I'm going with Alex Bregman. Uh, just two years ago, the last full season, the year we went to the uh, World Series, he had 41 bombs. Um, I think he's going to duplicate that and hit even more. I have two bold predictions about him. The first one is that I think he's going to hit 45 homers this year. And the next is that he's going to win the AL MVP. Uh, I know, you know, Mike Trout won the MVP, pretty much wins it every year. But I really think we're going to be seeing something even more special from Alex Bregman this year. Man, that, that would be freaking awesome. I, you know, I'm, I was so ready last year for the Astros to come out and play it and shut the haters up. You know, and then they did in the playoffs. You know, they they made it to the ALCS with uh, with the injuries and everything else they had. So I, I'm to, to see a guy like Bradman come out and end up winning, you know, winning MVP would be awesome. But your prediction of the 45 plus homers comes into kind of my prediction for the team, and I think the Astros will have at least five guys that hit 30 plus homers: Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Correa, and Tucker. Um, yeah. You know, and if you get that kind of production from the middle of the lineup we're going to be looking like we were at the 2019 team that had a phenomenal lineup that, had, you know, great hitting all around. And, and I don't, I don't feel that this is an outlandish prediction. I think it's actually pretty conservative to think about the 30 homers. Um, you know, we've seen plenty of guys get, or we've seen, you know, Bregman and Jordan and uh, Altuve get on those numbers and, and Correa, as long as he's healthy, there's no reason he can't. And then Tucker, if he continues to build on what he did last year. So um I think that that'll that'll you know stick with my prediction right there five with thirty plus. Uh, let's go ahead and let me let me hear one more prediction from you, Brian. What you got? The well, okay. So I said that um, that Bregman was going to hit forty five home runs. I don't think he's going to be the team leader in home runs. I've got Jordan with forty eight home runs for the year. Um, he's going to be resting. He's going to be DHing pretty much every day, uh, every game that he plays. I mean, I know that they've talked about first base and left field, but for the most part. He's not going to be out there playing the field. I think he's going to hit 48 bombs this year. Man, that <laughs> if that happened, that would be something to watch, you know, just to see to, for the Astros to have a guy like that. But once it, it may to the casual fan, that may sound like an outlandish prediction. But based on his production in 2019, there's no reason to think that he can't do it. You know what I mean? He's got he's got the tools to do it. He's got the strike zone discipline. And he's obviously has the power to do it. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're really excited uh, to bring this podcast to you, to be able to bring Astros Future in another media form. Um, and we're really looking forward to, to hearing y'all's feedback, what we can do better, and then ready to record the next episode. Yeah, and be sure to follow at Apollo H-O-U for blogs, merchandise, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content that's not found anywhere else. So as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros and the minor league system.